A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at We've got a football Friday here on Birds 365 with John McMullen and Jody McDonald and the return of Derek Barnett. That'll <laughs> be a major topic of conversation over the next two hours. We've got two good guests coming your way. We'll give you the details on that in just a couple. J-Mac, what time was it you texted me yesterday with a smile emoji that Derek Barnett was signing with the Philadelphia Eagles? Everybody, everything runs together. I'd have to look at my phone, but I did, I did have a little smile. I knew it was getting the longer. We mentioned it earlier this week on the show. The longer oh, yeah. it was out there. Uh, the more likely he was going to be coming back. And that's exactly how it shook out. Now, I thought he'd get one year, he got two years. We'll have to see. And then people are saying, well, you got to see what the contract is. Trust me, the contract is team-friendly because the dead giveaway there is the agent didn't scream it from the top of the mountainside. <laughs> I, I mean, if it's a good contract, you don't have any problem getting the numbers right away the fact that uh i still don't know what they are and uh, i'll have to check if anybody got them early in the morning but uh it tells you all you need to know as far as uh it's going to be very very team friendly for the eagles and i don't have a problem with it jody i don't have a problem with it this is a reset we talk about it all the times now here's the problem he, he got drafted here. Like, if he went to another team and you're going to pay him what the Eagles are going to pay him, you say, that's a pretty good rotational player. That's a pretty good fit for us. Problem you know, is... You know, why, you know why they would say that? Because they didn't watch him play the last four years. Problem is, that's it. Problem is, but, but you watched him play for the four years, whether you know it or not, Jody... You watched him play, but you also watched him play under the filter of the 14th overall pick in the draft. And the expectations changed things. Nelson Aguilar is the same way. Now, you put the filter on whatever Nelson was, 19th, I think, overall in the draft. Oh, and not good. Uh, you, you, you look at him uh, since he left. You look at him the, the at high points here. He's a rotational receiver. He's a three or a four. This team is, um, but you have him under the filter of a first-round pick. He's not a first-round pick. He wasn't worthy of being a first-round pick. That's where Derek Barnett is, but the difference this time, he's not getting paid like a first-round pick anymore. So if you're going to tell me, you know, Derek Barnett or Teron Jackson, 
I give me Derek Barnett. Give me Derek Barnett. And you still have an opportunity to um still do whatever you want to do. If the draft falls the right way. I do think the David Ojabo injury that 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 caused a little bit of a ripple effect because you can't just sit there at 15 and guarantee yourself one of these edge rushers. Can't do it. You know, if you look at that top six, there's, there's even, no even guarantee. With job out, even with a job out, there's four or five of them. Uh, there's probably five. I guarantee. Th- three, so you're telling me they're not getting one of them? Three off the board, right off the bat. Don't even think about uh, Hutchinson. Don't even think about Thibodeau. And don't even think about the kid from Georgia now. Forget about that. He's he's not got, he he's he's going top ten. He might go top five. Um, uh, he's going so, and then you start to think about when that happens, Jody, and guys start plucking off. Say you have three gone in the top seven, and, and guys start plucking off. Well, what do teams do? I got to get an edge rusher. I got to get Johnson or Carlotis, and they go. Well, the Eagles need an edge rusher, and people try to get ahead of them. There's no guarantee that one of those five is going to be there. At 15, this is a good safety net move. Good safety net move. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I get that it's not going to be, I get that it's not going to be popular at all. But as I put on Twitter, I've been making friends all week. So, so why stop now? This is not a bad signing at all. Well, we, we have no idea if it's a bad signing or not, because as you correctly pointed out, part of what Derek Barnett is judged by is the amount of money that he makes. He was a first-round You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about it. Of course you have to worry about that. You just said that you have to worry about that. You just said people judge Derek Barnett because he was the number 14 pick. Yeah, but I just told you. What does that equate to? How much money he makes in the cap league. But until we know exactly how much money Uh, he's going to make, I cannot state whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. I I just also told you, if it were anything of value, the agent would be screaming it from the top of the mountain. So you can sit there and worry about it. I'm telling you, you don't have to worry well, about it. What are we it. talking about here? Veteran minimum? Well, no, probably $5 million. That's it. Probably probably in that range would be my guess. That's what I, when Bo Wolf was on the show earlier in the week, that was my guess. $5 million. I have no problem with $5 million. Five million is nothing in this league. Now the Eagles are a little bit different. So this is the interesting disconnect that I talk about. Like everybody hates Howie Roseman. One year, two point five million. John, per- John, everybody doesn't hate Howie Roseman. Uh, there are a lot of Eagle fans. There's a percentage of them that hate Howie Roseman. You're right about that. But I would never use the word everybody hates Howie Roseman. There are well, fans that obviously. want to be able to look at Howie Roseman and say, here's what Howie Roseman does well. Here's what Howie Roseman doesn't do well. Here's a mistake that Howie Roseman made. Here's a move that Howie Roseman made that we got to give him a lot of credit for. You're giving him a hell of a lot more credit for resigning Derek Barnett. I think he just takes away from the potential of the Eagles getting a better pass rusher going forward than the, the, the four sacks he's going to get this upcoming year again. For five million, six million, seven million, eight million dollars. I it, not only is it what he's going to cost them, but also the fact that he's going to get snaps. Because what we're seeing with this team is a desire to be comfortable, that they like players that they know. 
that they go out and get oh, a that, Zach well, Pascal because the coach has a comfort level with him. They bring back Anthony Harris because the coach has a comfort level with him. They're bringing back Derek Barnett because the coach has a comfort level. How about how about this for a line of logic? Let's go see if we can get an actual better player rather than the player that we're comfortable with who's a marginal player. Well, they already got a better player to rust the edge. Uh, they already got a better player. Well, now he's going to be playing that many more downs at linebacker. I can guarantee you that because of the uh, bringing back of Derek Barnett. And I'm not sure that's the best way to use him. Well, uh, if, 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 um, look, if you're worried about him being a starter, uh, okay. You know, uh, I don't think he's going to be a starter. I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, on, on, on paper, if you look at it, Hassan Reddick, you know, as they pencil it in, because that's where we are, that's all we can do in, in March, as they pencil it in, you know, Hassan Reddick's going to play Sam linebacker on so-called rundowns that nobody cares about in, in, in the spring. And he on, on obvious passing downs in, in the so-called NASCAR package, uh, he's going to be the edge rusher, uh, predominantly with Josh Sweat. Ultimately, I think they'll they'll it'll be interesting. What'll be more interesting is he's going to be the defensive tackle. So you're just going to default to Fletcher Cox and and Javon Hargrave, or you're going to kick Brandon Graham inside, take one of those guys off the field. It would be Fletcher in a pass rushing situation more than Javon, believe it or not, at this stage. That to me is the more interesting part. That would be the plan for the rush. That would be the plan for the rush. Now if he comes back and he's the starting edge rusher, okay, yeah, I'm with you. If he takes snaps away and he's not uh, – and Hassan Reddick's not on the field, okay, yeah, I'm with you. But that's not going to happen outside of injury. You don't pay what the Eagles paid Hassan Reddick not to use him as a pass rusher. They're going to use him. And and you're going to see this contract when it does going to come back, and you're going to say everything is told by the contract. That's where the everything starts. So the Eagles caught you brought up Zach Pascal as well. And you're right about that. There's too much of a comfort level. And you could talk all you want about Zach Pascal. All, all you know, he's a good third down slot receiver. He's a hard worker. And I'm talking about the Eagles. I'm not talking talking about you. They paid him $1.5 million with, with the option of getting up to 2.5 if he hits probably incentives that are not even realistic, uh, to be honest with you. So the contract tells you everything. So, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll play along. If he gets starter money, I'm with you. It's a crappy signing. If he's a fourth rotational end, he's a hell of a lot better than Teron Jackson. And, oh, by the way, it, it it's not going to forbid you from drafting Karloftis or Johnson if they fall to 15. But if they don't fall to 15, and there's a good – there's a better chance today – than there was before Ojabo's injury, then that's a nice little security blanket. That's all I'm saying. And again, I, I I don't know how to say this any other way than just flat out say it. We don't know yet. We don't know what the, you, you, you gave me a good speculation. You're a good guy who can read this. You know, the Eagles, you're saying about $5 million. That is, you're right. The underside of a rotational player's money on the defensive line. Not the guy who's getting the majority of the snaps, the guy who's getting the lesser of the snaps if he's sharing the position with another player. If that's the case, then a $5 million number for him is not outrageous. It's a little expensive, 
is certainly more expensive than Teran Jackson would have been. Um, and if you had just stayed with Jackson, then you could spend that money somewhere else to upgrade somewhere else rather than having to give it to Derek Barnett. I just don't think the guy's going to produce. He hasn't produced in three years. Why would I think he's going to produce here? His production, let's say, if it was good, it would match his production if he's playing less. I asked you to quick look this up for me. I don't know if you got it. Um, I know he played more snaps last year than Josh Sweat did. I'd love to know what his comparison was to the two defensive tackles on this team. Uh, he, he played 64% of the defensive snaps. And that number's too high. If you look at, at, at Derek Bardette, his best year probably was his rookie season, the Super Bowl season, where he was a rotational player uh, behind Vinnie Curry at the time. But really, he was he was the rookie, but he was the better player. Um, and he was mainly used in more of a pass rushing situation. That was 41%, and he had five sacks. And then he became a, uh, a, a starter, really, in 2018, but he got hurt. Um, so he only played the first six games, so you can kind of throw that out. That's when he had the shoulder injury. He was actually playing pretty well before he got hurt, but he played 23% of the snaps, but he missed 11 games. Right. So that's why right. I say you throw it yeah, out. You don't even use that. Yeah. Uh, 2019, he was back, um, and, and he was at 69%. That was his career high. Uh, 2020, 49%. Uh, but again, he missed uh, – let's see, six games because of injury. So that affected, and last year was 64. So really it's, it was in that 60 to 70 range is the bell count. And remember, it's two different defensive coordinators too. Jim sure. Schwartz last year was Jonathan Gannon. Jim Schwartz, I can tell you flat out, loved Derek Barnett. Um, so a little bit different. Um, I do think Gannon liked him. But he certainly didn't like him as much as 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 Jim did. Um, but I but I thought he liked him as a player. Um, but I you know I I do think the filter matters. I do think the filter matters, and and you know people will always look at him, and rightfully so. I'm not saying it's wrong. Rightfully so, they will look at him in Philadelphia's the 14th overall pick. Uh, he never lived up to that uh, designation, that pedigree. Uh, I'm not arguing that. I don't think anybody can argue that. Um, but it doesn't mean he's a bad player. You know, like like I always say, and I, I brought it up last year with the Giants, I didn't like Kadarius Toney at all in the first round of the draft. Uh, but I did like Aziz Ojolari. <laughs> I thought, hey, and they got him in the second round. I said, if you give me Ojolari in the first round, you give me Tony in the second round, I'll tell you Tony's a good pick. Um, and we'll see how it shakes out. It's way too early on both of those players. But that's my point. That's how it shifts people's thinking. It shifts my thinking. It shifts your thinking. It shifts everybody's thinking. Nelson Aguilar, look, he's an 18th, 19th pick in the draft, whatever he was. He'll always be that in Philadelphia. So he's a disappointment. Uh, doesn't mean he's a terrible player. Um, Jalen Rager, uh, he's probably a terrible player at this point until he turns anything around so so that that's how we're uh, uh situating Derek Barnett here he's not as bad as Jay Rager. okay all right well you want to no, uh, hang your hat on that one I can't fight you off on well that. there is that, that's that's my point Derek Barnett no I'm not comparing the two at all because they're not comparable one has not proven to even be an NFL player one is clearly an NFL player 
One would clearly be a rotational player on the vast, vast majority of teams in the NFL. And I'd have to go down every list, but I mean the vast majority. I'm telling you, you probably get to the high 20s, early 30s before you can find a team that has better than four defensive ends than Derek Barnett. He's an NFL player. He's a legit NFL player, but he's looked at differently in Philadelphia because he's a disappointment as a first-round pick. That's all I'm saying. And uh, if you still have that list up, uh, the the number of snaps Fletcher played and Hargrave played, we know that Barnett played the most at end. Um, there is usually more situational substitutions outside than there is inside. So I'm assuming that the DTs played more percentage of the snaps than he did. But um, I, I'd love to know what the percentage uh, Cox were. Cox last year was 66%. And he played every game except the final game. Uh, Probably same as Barnett. Yeah, Barnett was, what did I say, 62? So same range. Um, uh, 64, but 64. Yeah, I didn't remember what I said. I can pull it back up. Um, so Cox was 66. Um, who else did you ask? Hargrave. Hargrave, Hargrave is Hargrave was internet going a little bit slow, and it would have been uh different had BG been able to play last year because oh, yeah, would have been much different, would have been much different. Graham would have played the most number of snaps for the edge rushers by far. 65 was Javon, so 64, 65, 66. So Derek Barnett basically played as much as anyone on the Eagle defensive line last year, yeah. But you you hit the nail on the head, Jody, that was because of injury. Um, right. Brandon, Brandon would have played the most, uh, no question about it. And then Derek would have been second and probably would have fell to third by the second half of the season when it became clear that Josh Sweat was kind of turning the corner. Um, and yeah, I mean, All right. assuming uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, wrap up the first segment here because we got uh, our buddy uh, joining us here. In just a second. Um, assuming health, which I know we can't. We just pointed out that if Derek Barnett had been in the mix, all those numbers you just gave me, the percentage of snap played for Barnett, for Fletcher Cox, for Hargrave would have all changed because Derek would have played outside, but he also would have played inside because Eagles uh, used to like doing that. We don't know even know if Jonathan Gannon is going to do anything like that because he's never really had Derek Barnett to use in games. So we got to see how that shakes out. But assuming health, how much of a drop-off in Derek Barnett's numbers are we looking at this year? Because you're telling me that he's a rotational player. That's all that he is as a rotational player. If he's their fourth defensive end, well, last year he was their second defensive end, and Brandon Graham comes back, that drops him to third. He should be no more than somebody's fourth defensive end, the defensive end who plays the least in the situational substitution pattern. How many uh, percentage, uh, what do you think his percentage snaps going to be? Does it get down to 40? I think it would be even lower. I think it would be 20 to 30. Okay. I think it would be 20 to 30. If, if, again, we're talking about 17 games, you know, if everybody's healthy with 17 games, which is a huge if with Brandon coming off an Achilles, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, if those three players play, the vast majority of snaps, I think he's the fourth guy. Um, 
And, you know, I'd rather have him out there than Teron Jackson, but that's me. Uh, there, there are some that may agree with you. There are a whole bunch that don't. I can guarantee you that. He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. We got two good guests for you. One uh, is Philly-centric, who also does national stuff, and then uh, a pure national guy. Um, coming up a little bit later, we'll talk to Connor Orr, national writer for Sports Illustrated. But coming up next, our buddy Paul Domwich uh, from Philly Mag and uh, 33rd Team. Uh, we'll hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got John McMullen, Jody McDonald. And our guy from Philly Mag and also the 33rdteam.com, Paul Domwich, up bright and early to hop on with us. Domo, I, I I don't know if it's the case, but I had trouble sleeping last night with the excitement that I had for the return engagement of Derek Barnett. Happy Derek the, Barnett Day. Domo. On the Eagles defensive line. Did, did it affect your sleep in any way last night? Absolutely. It put me right to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, All right, yeah. Davo. Let me defend Derek Barnett. I hate to be in this position. 
But I should mention, by the way, I should have mentioned this to Jody in our opening segment. By the way, Derek Barnett's agent is is Drew Rosenhaus, uh, which tells you a lot, too, because Drew would be screaming from the top of the mountain if this was any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of deal that was positive for the player. So if I tell you, Damo, if, 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 if I if you didn't know, then this is hard to do. Uh, I'll admit it. But if you didn't know, Derek Barnett was the 14th overall pick in in 2017, and I told you he was coming to the Philadelphia Eagles as the fourth defensive end in a rotational system under a cost effective team friendly contract, would you think that's a good solid signing? John, I'm one of the few people that agree with you. Um, I agree. It's a cost-effective deal, I assume. I haven't seen the numbers, but you're right. Uh, Drew would have been uh, yelling it from the, you know, from the um, Miami shores if, uh, <laughs> if, it, were, if it were big. Uh, you know, they need as much edge rush help as they can get. Uh, I'm sure they're going to pick one up in the first round. Uh, but still, I mean, if you're getting this guy cheap, you know what I liken it to? I mean, if Mike Mamula had been a third-round pick, no, everybody would have yeah. kind of considered yeah. him a, a fairly successful pass rusher. A good player, he was, yeah. He was not, and he's you know a lot of people consider him a you know one of the major busts in Eagles history. So you know, I don't have a problem with the signing. I mean, uh, you know, he had his his moments. Um, he's in a situation where he's going to be motivated to uh, to play well, so that after these two years, he gets a better contract with either them or someone else. I'm out Philadelphia. <laughs> he's going to get a better contract two years from now. So no, now he's think... two years younger and he had to settle for a team friendly deal that Drew Rosenhaus has got his head buried in the South Beach sand. But you're going to project that two years from now he's going to get a better contract? Come on, now go back to reality with us. How he's done this all the time. I mean, this is a two-year deal. He 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 has made a history of signing guys to one year make good deals uh, and 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 counting on them being motivated to play well. Uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes guys are just either don't have anything left or or can't be motivated. But I mean, I, you know, again, as John said, at, at a, it's a cost-effective deal. There's no there's no downside here. Uh, he's not your, he's not your go-to guy. Uh, he can play the run. Um, so I just don't see a, a negative to it. Yeah. And I, by the way, that's the most interesting point I want to see about the contract demo is it might be a glorified one year deal that they, you know, spun as a two. And that's what Drew did to say it looks a little bit better. But it really, I would bet that the Eagles will be able to get out of this uh, after one year. And uh, probably from Derek's end, too, he'll want to get out of it after one year because the goal is to get back in free agency and you know kind of prove yourself and hopefully not definitely jody hopefully get back on the open market and get a decent contract but you know i i want to ask you about david ojabo too that injury did mm -hmm. that kind of you know change the eagles thinking as well because uh, talking to people around the league I mean, we know Hutchinson and Thibodeau aren't going to be there. You say the Eagles are going to be able to get an edge rusher in the first round. 
that kid from Georgia, now everyone's saying he's going to be a top 10 pick, uh, Walker. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you if you have three guys going that quickly, you know how this league works, Tomo. People are going to be jumping over each other to make sure they get Johnson or Karloftis. And then right. all of a sudden you're sitting there at the Eagles at 15. Plenty of other good players. They need defensive tackles. They need wide receivers still. They might not get the edge rushers. So did that play into sort of a safety net thinking as well? It could have, uh, or they think you'll be able to get him. I mean, don't, don't, uh, don't think they won't. You know, I mean, we've, we've seen how we go after injured players before. Uh, yeah, that's I, I, don't, true. I don't know what's going to happen with a job uh, in the draft. Uh, it's hard to project how, you know, how, how much or if he's going to drop, I would assume he is because he's not, probably going to have to be redshirted this season, but he's, you know, an ACL these days is, is an injury you come back from in a year. And he was in Achilles though. He was in Achilles and the Eagles had that Sidney Jones, uh, you know, didn't work out, but different positions, but it is a corner and a edge rusher, but still, I mean, I don't think they'll take a job. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and I think that the edge rush uh, class is going to linger a little bit because of the defensive tackle, the interior guys, which also are going to go in that first round. So I, I feel fairly confident they're going to, you know, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Carl Aftis, uh, you mentioned Jermaine Johnson. I think at the very least, one of those guys will be there on the board at 15 and 16 when, when they have their three picks. Well, and if that's the case, then I can tell you what the Eagle rhetoric is going to be. Well, we weren't quite as high on the player as some other players were, and that's why we passed on him. <laughs> but we got Derek Barnett back, so we're I think they'll, we'll be- they'll draft an edge rusher still, Jody. I don't think this prevents them from drafting an edge rusher at all, but that's me. Yeah. Uh, start boning up on those wide receivers because to this <laughs> point, the addition of uh, Mr. Pascal isn't going to be enough. They need even more of an upgrade there than they do at defensive end. So I'm thinking more and more one of those two picks. If they have both of those picks, because all we do is prognosticate on how they're trading down or trading out. But if they keep both of those two picks in the middle of the first round, yeah, I'm starting to think that one of them is going to be a wide receiver. Um, is that a good thing for the Eagles uh, if they do say, all right, even though we've taken a wide receiver two years running in the first round, third time's a charm? Well, because they have three picks, I think they can get away with it, uh, especially, I mean, because, especially if it's, if it's one of the guys people are sold on, um, you know, it, 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 <laughs> If Calvin Ridley doesn't make a bet, uh, you know, <laughs> this isn't a problem for the Eagles right now. Yeah, uh, probably. But uh, you know, I, I'm like John. I'm not sold on the Zach Pascal uh, uh, signing as a solution to all their problems. So they still need a wide receiver. Uh, I mean, right now, you know, Zach's an okay slot receiver. Um, he's got size, but you know, he's never been a prolific third down guy. Um, which is what they need. I mean, which is what uh, Jalen Hurts needs. I mean, he needs somebody. He needs somebody like Wentz had with Zach Ertz that he could go to in the red zone on third down. Uh, and he doesn't have that right now. Maybe it'll develop with, with Smith, uh, but it would help to have a slot guy that, you know, I mean, I'm except for the, the body size. I mean, I like, I like Greg Ward better than Zach Pascal. I'm probably the only guy in America. That, oh, uh, Jody, no. Jody's in there. Yeah. I you, think you, I, you and me together on that one, big guy. I think, I mean, uh, 
Yeah, I think, you know, as Greg Ward was to Doug Peterson, that's what Zach Pascal is to Nick Sirianni. It's, you know, he's a little bit bigger. He's a, he's a better blocker. So yeah. if the Eagles want to play the same offense they played at the end of last season, Pascal's probably a better fit. But, yeah, if, if I want a receiver, I'd rather have Greg Ward too. I, that's where I, I, I'd rather have Greg Ward as a receiver. Yeah. How sad is that? If you're looking for a pass-blocking wide receiver, I mean, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is very good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He can't catch yeah. a ball, so that's kind of a problem. You need a guy that maybe might be a threat as a, as a pass catcher, but you're well, right. Well, I always say, Damo, you've been around uh, this team a long time and around this league a long time. When a coach goes to blocking first as a receiver, that is not a good sign. That is never a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> And the thing that concerns me about Pascal, too, besides what I've seen with my own eyes, is I've never been high on coaches signing guys from their past. That you know, yeah, they, yeah. It just and it just oh, never yeah. works out. You know, yeah, the Eagles seem to do they, a lot of that, bringing guys back that they yeah, it's have a baseball level. Same thing with yeah. baseball, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, he'll be he'll he'll service he'll be serviceable, but he's not going to be a, a game changer in the slot for them. I just don't see that happening. So, Damo, the bigger question with Jalen Hurts, so we have this sort of weird dynamic, right? You know, you have um, the we're not – I always call them in the we're not ready crowd. You know, the Eagles aren't ready, so they can't go after Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill because they're not ready. But then a lot of the same people in that camp say, you got to build up around Jalen Hurts. Well, Zach Pascal ain't going to tell you anything about Jalen Hurts. Right. Um, now, the Eagles have tried to get wide receivers, but I want to get your thoughts on, as you mentioned, Calvin Ridley on the trade market. Robert Woods uh, chose another direction because, for whatever reason, the Rams gave him the opportunity. Um, Allen Robinson, understandably, uh, uh, went in a different direction. Christian Kirk got overpaid. But the Eagles are the Eagles having trouble uh, um, recruiting wide receivers because of their offense right now. Do you think? Probably a little bit. I mean, every wide receiver that has options wants to go and play for a quarterback that he knows is established and is going to get the ball to him. Uh, you know, I, I mean, right now there's there, there are still question marks about Jalen. I mean, I, I I I think he's going to get better. I think he's ultimately going to be the answer, but. If I were a wide receiver, I'd probably be, you know, I'd rather play for, for with Tom Brady right now or even Matthew Stafford uh, yeah. in, in an offense where, you know, where I know the numbers, my numbers are going to be uh, what can get me even a bigger contract. Uh, and the sad thing is, or Jared Goff, like DJ Chark, uh, decided <laughs> to sign with the Detroit Lions. That's a, so that I one hurts. That yeah. one hurts. So, so that's where my next question comes from. If uh, John just stated and uh, well stated, as a matter of fact, the Eagles are having trouble recruiting because, yeah, these guys, some are free agents, some are trades that they allow the player to dictate where he's going to go. If mm -hmm. this, why the hell would I want to go catch passes in Philadelphia uh, thing is sitting out there, how do you change the narrative? How, how do you make it a place where a wide receiver goes, oh, Philly, yeah, if that's a deal, yeah. well, I'll go to Philly. If Philly will pay me, I'll go to Philly. How do you get that to be the belief across the league rather than what the Eagles are at right now? 
Well, you have some success throwing the ball, uh, for starters. I mean, one thing I didn't mention uh, with Zach Pascal, they're gonna have a ton of success throwing mm-hmm. the ball this year with Zach Pascal. But it, another factor last year that leads to why some receivers might be hesitant is the fact that they ran the ball so much. I mean, they were one of the most run-heavy teams in the league. They had to be, otherwise they, you know, they wouldn't have even uh, finished this as well as they did. Uh, but if you're a wide receiver, that's another reason to say, well, you know, I'm not going to be a decoy all day. Uh, you know, they already got Smith. Uh, you know, what's my, what's my role if they're going to run the ball uh, 35 times every every week? So uh, they have to. I mean, if you want to get a premier wide receiver like Devontae, I mean Adams, you know, they got to go out this year and 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 have success throwing the ball. Anyway, yeah, which yeah. is kind of a yeah. We we've had a breather, I think, for a couple of days because Russell Wilson is in uh, Denver. Deshaun Watson is in Cleveland. Uh, so you know, I'm 95 percent, probably higher than that. The Jalen Hurts is going to be under center uh, week one uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. But we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier with the luxury of three first round picks. You got this narrative that, well, the Eagles are going to take a quarterback this year at some point. Well, there's probably only six quarterbacks worth taking. Um, You could argue five. And that top five is going to be gone by early in the second round, I would say. Um, Any chance the Eagles do some maneuvering to get another dart for the dartboard. A lot of talk about them taking Kenny Pickett out to dinner to look at his small hands with the steak knife, uh, Domo. Uh, <laughs> Sam Howell, I've heard they like a lot. Maybe they go back and get Sam Sam Howell at the in the top of the second round. Uh, who knows? Uh, do you think they're going to get a, a viable developmental project at the quarterback position. I, I wouldn't take it off the table. I mean, I, with Howie, uh, it's certainly a possibility. They've got with this many draft picks, your, you know, your, your flexibility is, is different than if you only had, you know, one pick in the first round and one pick in this, you know, I mean, what do they have? Uh, four in the first 50 picks right 50, now. 51, four, yes. four in the first 51. Yeah. Well, anything's possible. I, you know, I mean, I just we don't know whether they like these any of these guys better than other people. Um, you know, I wouldn't do it right now, but I mean, I don't know what. Uh, you know, if you're trying it, 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 this year, their their whole thing was, uh, and it, the dictum from uh, Jeffrey Lurie was do everything possible to make it. You know, to 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 enable Jalen to have success. Well, does bringing in a guy who might replace him, just like they did with Carson, um, change that dynamic? I don't know. It's not going to bother Jalen as like it did Carson. Um, but I, I mean, personally, I don't see a guy in this draft that's worth doing that. But you know, they're the ones that took Kenny Pickett out to dinner, not me. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's stay with the do what they can to help Jalen. Just bring it down a notch. Uh, backup tight end. The Eagles mm-hmm. have not signed one in free agency. They went with a bunch of young guys last year after Zach Ertz was sent out to Arizona. Um, do you think they look at that as a good position to draft and get 
kind of like with Jalen Hurts last year, if you can get a quality guy in the second or third round who we see as a potential starter, even though we're not going to ask him to start, oh, they had Jalen starting by the end of year one. But you get my point. Uh, there's always a possibility with Dallas Goddard. How do you think the Eagles are going to handle the tight end position continuing on through this offseason? Well, I think there's – and John may probably agrees that I think they're still high on the the young kid that uh, converted from quarterback. Why is his name escaping me? Jack. Jack uh, uh, Tyree Jack. Ch- Tyree Jack. Yeah, tore his ACL last year. But, I mean, they were really high on him, and, I, and, I, and, and so am I. I mean, I think the kid's going to be – you know, I don't know how long it's going to take to come back from that ACL, but I mean, I think he can be a solid backup to, to Goddard, a guy you can use in 12 personnel. Uh, I think it's more likely they look for a, an inline tight end, maybe uh, late in day two or day three that, that you know, a project that that can fill that role as a blocking tight end or or get one in free agency at some point here. Yeah, there's a kid from uh... – Jody, you might be able to help me out. I'm trying to trying to look him up. A kid from Iowa State. Um, and now what the heck's his name? I know you're referring to, and I, I can't think of his name either. Uh, uh, the Eagles sent uh, Jason Michael, who's their tight ends coach, out to his pro day. I, I know there's a lot of talk around the NFL that people in the NFL think more highly. Is it Kohler? Uh, Charlie Kohler? Is that the kid? Uh, oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I had the pleasure of watching him quite a few times because my wife's a big Oklahoma fan. So I've seen a lot of big 12 games. Um, yeah. He's, he's very good. Yeah. So I could see somebody like that day three, but they look, Dama's right about Tyree Jackson, but the problem is, you know, he's a developmental guy and he's lost right. the off season because of, he tore his ACL in the final, the regular season final. So, He's not going to be back probably till right before yeah. week one, best case scenario. So he loses that whole offseason. They do like Jack Stoll, though. I mean, he mm-hmm. was an undrafted kid last year. Him, yeah. playing. So he has some upside. But I do think they're going to draft a tight end somewhere in day three. And so just put an asterisk on that kid from Iowa State. He's big, too. I think he's 6'6". He's, so he's more of an inline tight end. But I do want to bring up Dallas Goddard because he's he is a star tight end now. He's a star. He's one of the best tight ends in football. And we talk about uh, third downs and Zach Ertz. Why can't Dallas Goddard be the Zach Ertz for uh, Jalen Hurts? He can, and he I think he he was it starting kind of was late. yeah kind yeah, of was he was starting to be late in the season. Or you know one of the problems they had late in the. They were they they faced uh I mean they, they ended up being pretty good uh, where they ranked ultimately in third down production only because of uh, Jalen's running uh, passing wise his numbers were very poor on third down uh, and they were in a lot of third and longs I mean that's which was when they failed they, you know they they need to get into third manageables and I think Dallas can be a much more effective third down guy for you if they're not facing third and tens all the time. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, I think he can be an effective third down weapon for them, but you know, teams can shut down one guy. You need to have, you know, another option. Yeah. I know, you know, they've got, but we'll see where that goes. We try and read into, uh, things that team are doing that are flying a little under the radar. I did, uh, read one person noting that yesterday, uh, Gannon was out at Penn state's pro day. 
and I'm thinking he's not there to check out Jahan Dotson because uh, uh, he's your defensive guy. Penn State defensive guys, you just said you watch a lot of Big Ten football this year. Who, who are the Eagles? Should the Eagles be looking at off that Nittany Lion defense? Well, they've got some defensive linemen whose names escape me at the moment that are uh, are pretty good. I would imagine uh, yeah, the one I can't was... pronounce, Abekti. Uh, yeah. yeah, I always yeah. mispronounce. He's that. an edge rusher. Yeah, that uh, young man's yeah. name. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher his name. Yeah. He's a good edge rusher. I think he would be very interesting to see what they do with these picks. Not only from the standpoint of who they pick, but I, I can't imagine that when all is said and done, they end up picking 15, 16, and 19. Is that what they have right now? Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to be trading. He's going to be looking to trade around the board, trade up, trade down. Well, I don't think he'll trade up, but uh, I could see him trading down for another second round pick, depending on what's there when they're picking in the middle of that first round. So. My only advice to Jonathan Gannon with Penn State is throw out the numbers. You know, they're going to have the first defensive end to run a 3-9-9. I think they run on a direct hill uh, down. Penn State is famous for budging their numbers. So uh, I wouldn't take what they say seriously about their measurables. But they got a lot of good players. I mean, Micah Parsons, you know, that's where – yeah, he kind of exploded because of his great pro day and all the numbers and, you know, but he yeah. was that good. He was legit. He was, uh, um, you know, one of the best defensive players since you got to go back to LT or, I mean, it was yeah. that dominant. Uh, maybe Javon curse had that type of year ex Eagle as well. But, um, I bring up Micah for a reason because I think he's, uh, a very unique player. And I want to get your thoughts on Hassan Reddick, uh, Damo, because I think Hassan Reddick's a very unique player. I think he's very talented. I think he's a great edge rusher, but you got to use him the right way because he's six foot one. He's 240 pounds. Um, you think the Eagles are going to use him the right way? If they just line him up at defensive end, uh, I'm not sure that's going to work. Yeah. First thing I thought of when, when they signed Reddick was Micah Parsons because exactly what you said. I mean, he can play up. He's got off ball capabilities uh, when they need to use him like that. They can, they can line him up in a lot of different places. You're right. You don't just want to put him at, you know, on the left side or the right side and, you know, go, go after the quarterback. I don't think that's the best way to use Hassan Reddick. Uh, I think he's got a lot of Parsons in him. Um, Maybe not, you know, certainly not the size and the, uh, you know the raw ability, but he. Can, I think. He, I think John. It, that's going to be one of the keys for Jonathan Gannon this year is to see, and that we're going to see in Jonathan Gannon is how he uses that kid. Damo, uh, the Eagles missed out, and they really didn't have a chance on him. But the bottom line is, Devontae Adams changed teams, and the Eagles didn't get him. And Tyreek uh, ch- changed teams. He'll move the other day, and Eagles didn't get him. So uh, there's some big wide receivers that have changed teams via either trade and or free agency. They didn't come here. We've elucidated on why that is the narrative right now. There's still a couple of veteran guys out there who are either available via free agency and or trade that I have some interest in. Tell me which of the two you prefer. Is it realistic to think the Eagles can get either one of them? Uh, Devonta Parker down in Miami. Now that they've added Hill, they've already got enough wide receivers. He's kind of their fourth guy. They signed Cedric Wilson as a free agent, and they've got their uh, number one draft pick from last year. 
So he should be readily available. And Jarvis Landry, who got cut in Cleveland, who they say if they can move Baker Mayfield, will try and bring back. But in the meantime, eh, the guy wants to get paid. So if you're the Eagles, can you jump in and do something like that? Which of those two guys would you prefer? Do you think the Eagles should be more aggressive in going after? Well, I'd rather have Landry, uh, especially since I need a slot guy. Um, I mean, he's had some tremendous seasons uh, as a slot guy. Uh, you know, he, he's the kind of guy I think that could, that, you know, that could get on this. I mean, when, when, when Baker was, was having some success early on there, in Cleveland, it was with Landry. Um, so I, I would, I, I'm not a big Devontae Parker fan. Uh, you look at his numbers uh, for a guy his, with his size. I realize he hasn't had great quarterbacks thrown to him, um, but he hasn't been a prolific receiver there. Uh, you know, you can make the case that probably it's just a matter of finding the right place and the right offense. But if you're asking me which one of those two I'd rather have, it would be Landry. Uh, Damo, last one from me before I say it. I want to say read Damo to 33rdfootballteam.com. You can listen to him locally if you're in uh, the Delaware Valley area, WBCB, Merrill Station. Um, I, I, I do want to get your thoughts on one player that I think Eagles fans, a lot of Eagles fans are skipping steps with, and it's also with the wide receiver position and that's Quez Watkins um let's say the Eagles get Jarvis Landry for sake of argument or even Devontae Parker um do you think that precludes them from also drafting a wide receiver because they have Quez Watkins a lot of Eagles fans think he's a wide receiver too right now I'm not I'm not in that camp Damo um they got to get better at a lot of – they got to turn that room over. Where are you yeah. on Quez Watkins? I'm with you. I mean, I think he's a specialty player. I mean, you know, he's a fast guy, and he's had some production. But I don't know – you know, it's – we're going to see with him uh, how much he wants to be better because he needs to keep working, keep getting stronger. Um, I mean, he's shown some promise. But right now, can I do I know I can count on him to catch 60 balls every year? Uh, no, I, I mean, I would keep my options open there. Last one for me, uh, Damo. This offseason has been about, uh, to this point, Howie Roseman and, and uh, Nick Sirianni trying to upgrade this football team. We aren't that far removed from when people were calling for Sirianni's head. And he did finish strongly in the second half of the year and uh, ended up making the postseason in a year that most of us, John and I included, I probably you too, didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. We thought they could be close to 500. They were actually above 500, but they made the playoffs. That, to me, has to be considered a successful year. How much is Nick Sirianni pulling strings behind the uh, scenes? Is this still all Howie Roseman is in control of the roster and the coach is going to take what Howie gives him and mold it and build it and coach him up? Uh, I think we used the Zach Pascal signing as at least one example of how we going. A uh, million dollar play? Yeah, go ahead. Pick whoever you want. But how much do you think the co coaching staff is influencing the free agent decisions the Eagles are making? And maybe more importantly, what kind of a say do you think they're going to come 
have come uh, five weeks from now in a draft. Well, I mean, I think Howie is always he's he's always one and, and and why smartly so you always want to find out what kind of you know what what kind of player your coaches want, what kind of guy fits into their offense, their defense, and then you go look for them. You don't ask them specifically uh, for their you know I mean you don't let them tell you this guy's better than that guy, uh, you know that may or may not have gotten in trouble with Rager. Uh, but you, you know, you try to get them the guys, the kind of guys they want. Uh, but you don't, you know. I mean, I don't think Nick has told him this is the guy we want in free agency. Uh, Howie may have asked him his thoughts on particular players in free agency because he's seen those guys. I think you you rely less on your coaches in the draft because you know you, you, your personnel people are a little bit more accomplished at that. They've been down at the schools seeing these guys in person. Uh, so, I mean, basically, you know, it's like, it's like guys asking you for a, you know, you're going to rent a tux, uh, you know, you tell the guy your size and he measures you and, and he finds you, you know, what fits, what, what looks best on you. We'll see if that worked that way for the Eagles. Uh, Damo, a pleasure. Thank you much for hanging in there. Um, yeah. Happy Derek Barnett day. <laughs> John's partying. That's you and I got a serious question. <laughs> but that's the beauty of this. We can agree to disagree. Paul Donwitz here with us on Verge 365. You can read him on uh, both uh, phillymag.com and also the 3013.com. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. That much more to get into here on Verge 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail, and it's very easy to use. 
I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Guys, here on Birds 365 on Derek Barnett Day, as John so declared uh, earlier. Uh, yeah, we have a, a basic disagreement as to what Derek Barnett's level of play is in the National Football League as compared to his salary, as compared to what um, filter he's drafted through. John's very right about that. He was a first-round draft pick. He was a top half of the first-round draft pick. He was paid accordingly. His production did not match up to that. The hype, because he topped Reggie Reggie White's sack number at Tennessee, kind of set the bar pretty damn high on Derek Barnett, and he came in woefully underneath it. Uh, And I I see the argument that John is trying to make. And while I acknowledge everything he says is right, he still stinks. Uh, Whatever (laughs) prism you look at him through, he's not good enough. If you tell me miraculously he's going to become this under-control player who's never going to take ill-advised penalties, and that's why I think this is a Howie Roseman move. Because you and I saw both saw it during the year, Sirianni, uh, when he got caught on camera after an eagle penalty, uh, you could read Sirianni's lips saying, it's always him. Knowing full well who the penalty was going to be on, Derek Barnett once again jumping off sides, uh, 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 even 15-yard type penalties. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be more disciplined. Uh, Damo's point about, oh, he's going to be motivated this year. He wants to get that big... He wasn't motivated coming into this year when he was going to free agency. Ah, but now this year he's going to be that much more motivated. I don't think motivation's got anything to do with it. I think he's the player that he is, and that player for me is not good enough. It will not be as painful this year because you're right, John. We don't know the details on the contract yet. It will 99.9% be less than he made last year. So if his play is what it usually is, it won't be as tough a pill to swallow as it has been in previous years. 
I just think the Eagles should have left the door open to get someone else better at that position than Derek Barnett. Well, there, there's the difference. Uh, we, I think the door is still open that if one of those guys falls and I still think the Eagles will take a edge rusher at the first round of the draft. If one is there, one of those top five that we always talk about is available to them. I think they're going to go in that direction. I don't think this shuts the door at all. That's kind of my point. Now, yeah, you said 99.9%. I'd like to leave that door open. No, it's 100% that he's not getting paid what he got paid last year. I mean, he got paid more than $10 million on the fifth-year option of his first-round contract. He's definitely getting less than that, 100%. Which let me, let, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but let me ask, because uh, I don't know, and I don't know if our Eagle fan streamers know either, because uh, it, it's kind of an important point to understand that Derek Barnett was on the fifth year of his contract. But supposedly, had he gone elsewhere, they would have taken a dead cap hit? Yeah, they restructured it. They they restructured it because they needed the room last year. Um, so, How do you restructure a contract without extending it? Uh, you you It's the voidable year trick. You dummy it up, you give it to him up front as a signing bonus, and you spread out the signing bonus. So Over he actually signed a contract extension with the Eagles. It just amounted On to paper. nothing because it had voidable yeah. years and, had, and those years had yeah. to be voided. Yeah. Uh, bookkeeping trick that how he uses all the time. Um, yeah. It was dummy years essentially or voidable. What if you want to use the technical term um, and they used that, they gave him like 9 million of his 10 plus million, in a signing bonus. So he's definitely getting less money than that. Now, look, if he plays, I'll say it right here. If he plays 66% of the snaps for any other reason or whatever the number was, 64% of the snaps, um, other than significant injuries, like if, you know, if Brandon goes down, if Josh Sweat goes down, if Hassan Reddick goes down, uh, you know, all right, then it's understandable. But if he plays 60-plus percent of the stabs for any other reason than significant injuries, then I'm with you. Horrible signing. I just don't think that's going to be the case. So I'm in the – that's where we differ. I. It seems that you think there's a chance he's going to play the same level of, of playing time that he has in the past. <clears throat> I don't think that's the case other than uh, through injury, which is for every position, everywhere around the league. And then the second disconnect we seem to have is you think this kind of shuts the door. I think they're still looking for an edge rusher in the draft. I, so we differ there. Uh, I don't think it shuts the door on anything. I think it's a safety net. That's what I think it is. I think it's a safety net. And I think it's a good one. I think we, it's a good one. We don't know the contract numbers yet, so – um, it, there can be, even as you project what he's going to do for the Eagles this year and his amount of usage, he could get enough money that it could still be a bad safety net contract. Because again, this is an unfinished product. The Eagles still could use another starting cornerback. Is it going to come in the draft? Is it going to come free agency? We don't know. They need another starting safety. Is it going to come in the draft? Is it going to come free agency? We don't know. They need another wide receiver. Is it going to come in the draft? I, I, I'm just, uh, 
I guess my point is, are they done in free agency? Is this it that they they've spent the money that they have, whatever they have tied into? And oh, by the way, this Derek Barnett contract is a two-year contract that could become an eight-year contract with those voidable years that never actually uh, come into fruition, like his contract this year with the Eagles putting money off going into the future. Um, are, are they done signing free agents? Because if they are, they haven't no. done enough to upgrade this team. No, they're not done, but they're probably going to be in the range of these types of signings moving forward. Um and whether it's bringing guys back like Anthony Harris or Derek Barnett, or it's going out and getting the Zach Pascals of the world, uh, they're going to bring in a corner. It might be Steve Nelson. Um, uh, they might bring Steve Nelson back, but they're going to sign a corner at some point. And if they don't sign Steve Nelson, it's going to be somebody else in the one year, probably five, six million dollar range. Um, you know, that first wave of big money is gone. Um, for the most part, there's a couple guys, you know, Teron Armstead took a little bit longer to decide where he wanted to go. Um, and ultimately ended up in Miami. We'll see the big name for Eagles fans. Most Eagles fans is probably honey badger out there. And we'll see if he's able to get multiple years or, if you know, the league looks at him as, as a declining player. Uh, and he'll have to take a one-year deal. I think if he has to take a one-year deal, the Eagles would get involved in that. Um, if it's multiple years, probably not. Um, there's still some younger players with uh, maybe some issues, injury issues maybe. Um, Elliot, Deshaun Elliott from Baltimore, I think he's still out there. If he signed somewhere, I missed it. Um He's a younger player with some injury issues. He might get multiple years. The Eagles might get involved in something like that. Um, but, but, you know, if you're talking about splashy players, most of that is is dried up. And, again, uh, I was hoping for more for the Philadelphia Eagles than we've gotten this far. If you tell me there's still some possibility, um, I am, uh, I, you and I agree that because the uh, agent didn't come out with the numbers immediately, that the numbers are not going to be jump off the page type numbers. Um, but it is a capped world in which the Eagles are playing with everybody else and how he is good at pushing off to future years. Unfortunately, he had one catch up with him this year with Derek Barnett. Um, can they save money for the, that dead money issue if they actually get him signed to a contract? Is this another way to just uh, push debt going forward into future years? Yeah, that would be – I'll ask Brad. I'll ask Brad Spielberger. I do not uh, know because it's a new contract technically – uh, I do now. Yeah, that's, that's one I can't answer. So I'll try to ask Brad that maybe they can do it as an extension and, you know, use some kind of trick, but that's, that's, that's above my pay grade. That's right. a Jake, and Jake that, Rosenberg uh, question. Yours and mine both. Uh, we're not the, uh, capologist that Brad is, um, but that's another thing that also scares me. Did they bring him back because they needed to, because it made good accounting sense? 
that that gave them the chance to extend more money into the future. If that's the case, you're not just evaluating the player on what you think he can do for you for this upcoming year. Take what he did before and just completely throw it out the window. We know there are some Eagle fans that would find that basically impossible. And yeah, I'm not happy with the fact that he hadn't been as good as he was supposed to be from the day he was drafted. But I think I've got enough focus that I can say, all right, whatever Derek Barnett has done to this point, wherever he was drafted, irrelevant. Just evaluate him as a player. He's a player who was taken in the third round, late third round of the draft, and his salary was what it was. But we're now evaluating his salary going forward. I need to know what that salary is, and I, uh, I'm i sorry if they have a cap advantage by re-signing a guy like Derek Barnett, then you are just turning back the clock, and you're just looking at what was on the table. Derek Barnett should purely be evaluated on what you think he can do for you in this upcoming year. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's the case for this reason. They had already come to the conclusion that they were moving on from Derek Barnett. Uh, the Eagles were like a lot of people. And that's when I brought it up earlier this week. I said, well, the longer he stays out there, it's evident he's not getting. Like, if you look at over the cap or 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 uh, sport track, spot track, or whatever, and they evaluated, they do the evaluations, and, you know, that's what I mentioned on the show. They had Barnett at three years, you know, nine, eight, nine million a year. Uh, the Eagles were, you know, they're, they're, they weren't going to pay Derek Barnett that. Um, so, you know, they had already come to the uh, conclusion that it was unlikely that he was going to be back. And then as there's no money, there's no market, it's not here. Where's the three-year deal? Where's it? You know, everybody, we just talked about the first wave. Everybody's budgeting. They went in different directions at edge rusher and there's still Derek Barnett out there. And then I think the Eagles came back into the picture and said, well, you know, if we can get him for, one year and we'll see whatever it is as we said understandably you want to see the contract we'll see the contract when it gets filed um but you know drew rosenhaus is drew rosenhaus his reputation is his reputation i'm i'm pretty confident in that prediction it's not going to be great for the player's standpoint but we'll see we'll see uh, you know there's always a chance i guess um but i i think the eagles you know at the beginning of this process they were like, well, we're 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 done with Derek Barnett, and and we'll go, you know, whether it's Teron Teron Jackson moving up a, a a spot or obviously first round of the draft more likely would be the guy uh, being an impactful player, which is affected a little bit, as I said, at least a little bit by the Ajabo injury, um, and things change quickly in this league, you know. Um, who knows what happens now between now and April 28th, as far as the other top five, uh, on, on everybody's list, as far as edge rushers. So I think from their standpoint, they took advantage of a situation and they had a number and if they could get them back at this number, they'd bring them back. And if they couldn't, they wouldn't. So very similar to Anthony Harris and everybody else in Boston and Scott, even restricted free agents. The Eagles would would Greg Ward, you know, if you think about it, they brought Greg Ward back, they brought Boston back, uh, they tendered Nate Herbig, and they let Alex Singleton leave, you know. They set these numbers, and they said, if we can get these guys back 
at this number. We'll bring him back if we can't. We can't. The one thing the Eagles are very good at, and I say all the time, uh, Jody, is valuation and budgeting. So that's why I, I, I'm really very confident in those types of things. The problem comes with the evaluations. You know, that's where the problem comes. And, you know, I also think, and I've mentioned this before recently on the show, I also think at times, at times, they're a little bit too disciplined when it comes to the finances. Because I do think at times, you do have to overspend a little uh, to get maybe a particular player that can help you in the moment. Um, but I, I generally don't tend to worry about this team when it comes to valuation and valuation, not evaluation, valuation and budget, budgetary things. Here's uh, something that just dawned on me, so I got to get your read on it. Uh, I don't know the answer. I don't know that you know the answer, but I'll ask you to uh, read between the lines a little bit. Uh, Derek Barnett coming back, as is Brandon Graham, who they lost all last year. Um, Brandon's age is what it is, and he's coming back off an injury. Uh, he's one of the most popular Eagle players, one of the best leaders in the clubhouse. Um, so he he's judged to a different light and prism than a guy like Derek Barnett is. Do we read the Barnett re-signing in any way as to what the Eagles think Brandon Graham is coming back at? Is it too early to know anything? Is Are they looked at as separate entities? They're both defensive ends. You still think they are motivated to take a defensive end at those uh, one of those two picks in the middle of the first round if they're holding on to both of them and using both in the upcoming draft? Uh, do we get any further read on where Brandon Graham is in his uh, return? By the way, yeah, just a slot side programming note. We had Glenn Macnow on with us earlier this week, and Glenn mentioned on his uh, show that he does on the weekends with Ray Dinger, they're going to have their first ever still active player on Tell Us Your Story. It's a great uh, uh, thing that they do on the weekends, bringing back guys, uh, careers over and done with, looking back. Um, they do not talk to players who are still active. They're doing Brandon Graham. What does that say? Uh, does that yeah. Brandon's all but done, but he's going to come back for one more year. Does the signing by Derek Barnett tell us anything about where Brandon Graham is at before he joins Glenn and uh, Ray on WIP on the weekend? Well, I think it's part of the safety net uh, that I was talking about. I mean, you do have to be realistic in that, you know, Brandon is 34 years old. Um, and we all know what that age means in this sport at that particular position. Um. Yeah, he's a lot closer to the finish line than the starting gun, as they say. Um, and you can't just assume he's going to be the same player um, coming off an Achilles. Uh, um, so I think that's part of the safety net. I can tell you, I've seen, you know, Brandon was around a lot um, last year. I mean, he looked ready to go um, from a physical standpoint. Probably by November, he was moving around. Uh Tremendous athlete. I, I don't think people realize how explosive Brandon Graham is. I, I joke, you know, him and Darius Slayer uh, lived in Detroit. Obviously, you know, Brandon lives there in 
uh, Darius played there for a number of years. And when the Eagles brought in Darius Slade, it might have been last offseason, actually. Um, you know, he, he and Brandon were working out together. Uh, and, you know, the Instagram, whatever videos. Brandon looked more athletic than Darius Slade. I don't, I don't think people really realize how athletic Brandon Graham is. So, you know, do you lose some of that explosion um, at 34 coming off that injury? I don't know. If anybody's going to get it back, it's going to be Brandon. But I do think it's part of that safety net. I, I do. You know, you can't just assume at his age he's going to be the exact same player. That is uh, something that only time will tell, or maybe Brandon will tell us. But if he tells us on the weekend with Glenn and Ray, you don't even know how much is accurate because we won't know until he gets back out there on the field. All right, I want to jump back over to the wide receiver position. I uh, was going to bring this up today. Uh, we know the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, almost to the Jets, except did you see Tyreek's quote? Yeah. When asked yeah. about how or close were you to go to or the Jets. Jets. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, okay, so all that reporting was just stone cold inaccurate. I think it was John McMullen here on Birds 365 yesterday correctly noted the Jets were used as a stalking pony, that yeah. they ran up the price and ran up the price and ran up the price, and Miami finally matched what Kansas City wanted, and they said, okay, he'd rather go to Miami, so he's going to Miami. Uh, the Jets got used and abused, but uh, I, I digress. Um the Chiefs now have to try and replace uh, one of the most talented wide receivers in the, the league. And they're going to do so with one of uh, Aaron Rodgers' old <laughs> guys. Excuse me for laughing. But, yeah, I got a couple people who told me that. And you, you know what a shoe bill is, Jody? A shoe bill? Yeah. It's no. a big uh, It's a big stork bird, stork-like bird. It is a stork. Uh, but they, they are scary-looking birds. Look up shoe really? bill. Yeah. Oh, scary looking birds. One of my favorite pictures is this nasty looking shoe bill who just looks angry. And, you know, I got a bunch of people uh, texting me, well, they're going to get Marquez Baltez Scantley as the, as if that's even in the same realm of, of Tyree kill. It's just, uh, so I posted a picture of the shoe bill, the angry shoe bill. It's absurd. To think a, a player, nothing against you know MBS. He, he, by the way, he'd be wide receiver too here, uh, again. But no, not even in the same stratosphere of of, of Tyreek Hill. So this is going to be interesting because, look, Tyreek Hill is not going to be happy with no Patrick Mahomes. Bottom line, and Patrick Mahomes is not going to be happy with no Tyreek Hill going to be interesting and here's the thing and again didn't see the exact details of the contract again you, you, the fact that we're sitting here with Derek Barnett the announcement came we we're starting to sneak up on 24 hours ago you hit me up shortly after the show was over and done with yesterday so we still don't have anything on his contract which we read into and then you have the original reporting of the contract which can be just basically misleading because the devil is in the details. Marquez Valdez Scanling, three years, $30 million. Is he a now a 10? Mm. I know the price of poker continues to go up in all facets of the national football league, John, but is he a $10 million a year player? Not to me, but Not you know, me. this is, this is sort of like, 
where we are in the NFL, um, is anybody worth it? You know, I, I get this. I'm not criticizing other people because we have all these cab people and they're saying so-and-so isn't worth this, so-and-so isn't worth this. And usually I agree with them, uh, to be honest. And, and, and you know, MBS would be a perfect example of that. But, I mean, that's the cost of doing business. So do you want to be involved with players like this or do you not want to be involved? Um, and it's a difficult decision because I don't want to pay him that, but he's a heck of a lot better than the Eagles have. You know, so I I don't know the answer of that, <laughs> to be honest. I'll, I'll use a phrase that you used here yesterday, I think quite appropriately, as a matter of fact. Do you want to overpay? that you have your numbers, I have my numbers, much more importantly, the Eagles have their numbers, their valuation. And sometimes you say, yeah, we need to fill this position, this hole, this gap, call it what you want. And yes, even though our uh, algorithm says we should pay X amount for a player, we're going to have to go X plus because the options are drying up and he's going to get this somewhere else if we don't get to this number. And yeah, the Eagles seem to be a team that stays very much away from overpaying. Kansas City with the deal yesterday for Marquez Valdez-Scanling said, at least for me, yeah, we need to get wide receivers. Uh, We got an unhappy uh, best in the league quarterback. We just took away one of his biggest weapons. If we just go, yeah, go out there and get them, big guy. We're not going to try and add to the mix at all. You just do it all by yourself. That's not going to work for us. So we'll take on a Marquez Valdez-Scanling, and we'll be willing to overpay because I'm with you. I do not see him as a uh, $10 million a year quarterback. Now, I'm I'm trying to get Xander, by the way, to put up my tweet. There it is. There's a shoe belt, Jody. (laughs) That. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say scary as much as ugly. That is. That's uh, just well, one. One ugly bird. He looks angry, doesn't he? That's the point. angry. Oh yeah, I'll go angry too. He looks angry. So that's what I was. I was angry compared when people started comparing Marquez Valdez Scantling to Tyreek Hill, but that's a shoe bill. Okay. Uh, good to know. Good to know what a shoe bill is. I never have heard of that bird before, but that is one. Uh, ugly bird, angry bird, call it whatever you want. Uh, that's uh, a bird I wouldn't want to mess with. So I think you've got a, a correct read on it, John. Um, we're hoping to hear from Connor Orr. He might be running a couple of minutes late with us uh, here today. He texted me and said the uh, pickup line at uh, preschool was exceedingly long today. Uh-oh. So he's oh. running a couple of minutes late, uh, but we will get him up here in just a couple um, one other guy I do want to hit you about uh, for the upcoming season with all the players that are changing places and the like. Uh, uh, next week, we might try and um, uh, go uh, with a little bit more insight as to the rest of the teams in the division. Here's one good news. As I sit here, because every day you come in and you start showing you wonder what the Eagles do in the last 24 hours, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm not a Derek Barnett fan. Um, John John kind of likes the safety net aspect of the signing. Oh, by the way, the Giants aren't doing anything either. Oh, by the way, the Commanders aren't doing anything either. And oh, by the way, the Cowboys seem to be losing more guys than they're bringing in. 
man, John, is this still this was the worst division in football badly two years ago? It's just all, no team did not make uh, above 500 uh, to make the playoffs and win the division. Last year, at least the Cowboys were a, a, a legit playoff team and they won the division. And the Eagles gave the division a second playoff team, an expanded playoff uh, format, but a second playoff team. Oh, I think they're going back to be in the NFC lease this upcoming year. How about you? Yeah, it doesn't look good on paper. It's, you know, the Cowboys were the one team that you could say, well, that's a legitimately talented team. And they've taken some pretty significant hits because, you know, they've been paying these players for a long time. And you sort of have to do that transition, Amari Cooper, most notably. Um, So that's part of it as well. Uh, but yeah, overall, the NFC East does not look good on paper. And that was the sense of urgency in the offseason. I see Connor Orr popped in, so we got to bring him up. But Jody, the sense of urgency to have these three first round picks and the ability. And that's why we were saying, all right, well, you know, you have Russell Wilson out there, you have Deshaun Watson out there, but look, they wouldn't entertain coming here. But there was a sense of urgency because you're in a bad division. You have all this draft capital to go make the splash, but there was no path, Jody. There was no path. Sometimes you need to forge your own path. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Uh, coming up next, Connor Roar, national writer for Sports Illustrated, going to jump aboard Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got your boys on 365, Mac and Mac, uh, Bird 365. We are joined by one of the better national writers in the country. Does a great job for John's outfit, Sports Illustrated. And he's been a guest here before on uh, Bird 365 and given us good insight. We expect him to do the same again today. Uh, Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated joins us here on Bird 365. Connor, they're keeping you busy this offseason, huh? Yeah, I, I, this is usually the time we uh, go on a little bit of a family vacation, but I think Tom Brady and Devontae Adams and uh, Tyreek Hill and everybody have something else to say about that. Yeah, it's been crazy, Connor. So let's start there because you wrote about it and everybody should go to SI.com and read uh, Connor's latest piece. Did the Dolphins trade too much for Tyreek Hill? I think it's an, certainly an interesting conversation. You're talking about, you know, the guy who's played for uh, one of the great offensive uh, play callers in history. You have the great quarterback. The Dolphins are giving up five draft picks, a first rounder. He's 28. He's played a lot of football. Is it? Did they trade too much for Tyreek Hill? Where do you come down on, on, on this, uh, this? What side of the fence do you come down on? I think it's interesting. I think our whole perspective on that has shifted. I mean, after teams like the Buccaneers and the Rams win the last two Super Bowls by mortgaging their near future for, you know, whatever it is, final pieces or whatever they need to make their offense work. I think our perspective has changed. And that's what I wrote is like my perspective on trades used to be from guys like, you know, Ernie Accorsi and GMs who had been around for a long time. And they're like, this is how I evaluate things. This is how I build a team that can be successful for 10 years. That's not the reality anymore. And so I think we have to kind of redefine our terms of success and redefine the fact that like, Hey, this team might not be good for 10 years, but they're going to win a Super Bowl, And isn't that all we really care about? And so if the dolphins get to the playoffs and they make a run and they win the division, I think it's a great trade. And if they don't, I think, you know, it's a really bad one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the Rams push all your chips into the middle of the table. And if you win, you can wear shirts like F those picks. Uh, but if you don't, uh, they, the fans buy shirts that say F our general manager. Uh, so power to Mr. Schnee for pulling off what he did this year. Um, that's a pretty tricky division. Um, the Patriots had a nice bounce back year and had the best rookie quarterback in the class, even though he was the fifth one taken. The Bills, some people believe, have the most talented roster in the NFL. Is the Dolphins timing right with this? Is this the time that they should be going, damn, yeah, we can win this whole shooting match? Well, I think it, that's another thing that's changed, right, where there is no timetable anymore, right? Like coaches know that they're getting fired after two years if they don't win, and I think general managers are starting to sense that too. And so, you know, what, um, you know, what has – the last few years in the NFL has taught us is you can turn things around in a year or two. If you really, if, if, you know, if you, if you have the buy-in and so all these coaches are putting a lot of pressure on their general managers and saying, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it does to the cap in three years. We need all these guys now and we're going to have to win the division this year. And so I think the days of sort of plotting your course are over. And we've seen that, especially in the AFC West where 
the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson, then everybody else freaks out, you know, and the Chargers trade for Khalil Mack and sign JC Jackson. And then the Raiders trade for Devontae Adams. There's, you know, you can't afford to fall behind anymore. Now, how much do you think the shift of, of sort of uh, a bunch of newer, younger, maybe more forward thinking uh, general managers for, we're in the Delaware Valley, Connor. Uh, I think you're up in North Jersey. Uh, Quasi Odopa mentors a Cherry Hill kid. Uh, mentioned Sam Hinkey, so people in Philadelphia will be excited by that, uh, either in a good way or a bad way. There's no other way. But then I think there's this whole sort of camp that's disappointed in somebody like like Quasi because he resigns or reworks out a deal with Kirk Cousins where's that disconnect? Like you have this forward thinking so-called progressive group, but you have this reality of, Hey, you're working for owners who aren't going to accept these complete teardowns and and things of that nature. Yeah. Well, I think that what we're learning, I think is that the, the nature of the complete teardown it's, it's become far too messy. Right. And I don't think that that's going to be the parameters moving forward. Uh, you know, especially after the dolphins kind of asked, but didn't ask Brian Flores to do it, especially after everything that happened with the Browns to get to this point, you know, I think that, you know, it's going to be hard in this environment for a team to be able to sell a tank, given all that's going on right now, given their own relationships to gambling companies and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think we're, I think that the league is probably not so subtly in everybody's ear and saying, let's back off of this. You know, if you guys need to kind of reshape the roster, you can do it in a year. We're not doing this Owen 16 thing, you know, anymore. And I think that that's kind of should be the messaging if it hasn't been. And so with guys like Quasi in Minnesota, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, I don't know exactly what the plan is there, but I can say, you know, just on him in particular, coming out of the scouting combine, I did not, I had not heard that many sort of examples of outrageous praise of a new executive as I heard with Quasi in years. That's what and, I said. And someone put it this way: they said, um, "I've never seen someone who can bridge the gap between analytics and football people before," and he's the first. So, uh, would the re-signing of Kirk Cousins? Uh, mean in some way shape or form that he agrees that this guy's your quarterback of the future i don't know but i will say that watching the browns operate this is a very calculated front office for better and for worse and i think that he had a lot to do with with them getting turned around the quarterback carousel has been spinning all off season and it continues to spin although there are very few qbs left standing without a seat and there are very few seats left as a matter of fact What's going to happen with Baker Mayfield? The, the Browns basically need to trade him, have to trade him. Otherwise, their cap will be a mess. They want to try and get him off ASAP so they can still make a couple extra moves to improve the roster around the Sean Watson. They're kind of in a negative leverage position. Is anybody going to take on Baker Mayfield? And will Baker Mayfield be dealt for like a seventh round pick? Is that how bad it's going to get for the Browns that – Everybody's going to say no thanks, but they need to get him off the roster. And a trade is better than just cutting him. What's Baker Mayfield going to be dealt for? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for as 
you know, as coy as the Browns have sort of posited themselves throughout this, they seriously underplayed that. Like they just totally whiffed on this. You know, I think that everybody knows that Baker may, you know, there's only one or two teams that want Baker Mayfield. Those two teams are not trading a first round pick for him. You know, like everyone's saying, well, Seattle should just go out and get him. What does Seattle care? I mean, you know, Seattle's going to finish in last place this year. They know that John Schneider's not going anywhere. He's got a handful of picks. And so he's going to say, no, I'm going to wait until you give them to me for pennies on the dollar. And so, you know, Cleveland's put themselves in an awful position where, you know, they have Deshaun Watson. Um, They might need someone to start some games here if he gets suspended. Um, And, you know, Baker Mayfield's not going to do it. And so I think that it's really fascinating to see how they kind of, you know, totally kind of, you know, fell head over heels for the quarterback, but then for some reason didn't take care of all the ancillary pieces there. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard the term mutual disinterest between Baker Mayfield and Carolina. I, I think was the team, Connor. Are you a little surprised just from the standpoint of talent that in a in a league where you know there's 32 starting quarterbacks, but there's probably not 32 guys on the planet worthy of that position, that Baker uh is getting so little uh, we know there's problems, obviously, uh, reputations problem. We need an adult in the room was the quote. And you go out and get a guy under 22, um, you know, allegations of sexual misconduct. That's not a good look. Yeah. But he did play through a significant injury last year. Is he getting blamed for that? Because he, 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 he played through that. You got to give him credit for doing it. And he didn't look good. Did that hurt him? Yeah, it did. And, you know, I would say that I don't blame him for, you know, I think what's interesting here is he's in a position of somewhat strength where he's going to say, okay, you're going to trade me here and I'm going to sit. And if I were him, I probably wouldn't go to Carolina either. Right. Because, you know, it's a situation where, you know, and and maybe Ben McAdoo's become a better offensive coordinator, but, you know, he was steeped in that really kind of old school Packers system. Um, You know, there were already a lot of belief and thought that, you know, Matt Rule would have been gone last year. So you're going to be shoved into a really uncomfortable situation. And that's not going to help springboard your career and get you back into free agency and get you back to where you want to go. Um, You know, if I were Baker, I'd much rather go to a place like Seattle where there's some stability there. It seems like they might be interested in building around me for the long term, but he's got that leverage and you have to let the rest of it play out. I think that the Browns kind of smear campaign there was just, you know, it was gross, but there was a lot of gross things about the way that they handled themselves this year. And I think that, you know, leaking that they want an adult in the room before going to get Deshaun Watson. You know, I think uh, there's a reason why you're seeing, uh, you know, Browns fans defect at a, at a pretty expedited rate here. Connor at the quarterback position, we knew full full well guy's going to be able to dictate terms. Russell Wilson had a no trade clause. So he was going to pick wherever he wanted to go with the Sean Watson. Same thing. We saw two really big name wide receivers basically dictate where they're going to end up as well. Devontae Adams gets reunited with his college quarterback as a member of the Raiders just two days ago. Tyree Kill gets dealt to the Dolphins when there were reports that he was this close to being traded to the Jets. And then that fell apart and he ends up in Miami. And I think that he made that decision more than anybody else. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for the NFL that the player empowerment has now spread out of the quarterback room into the wide receiver room. Next thing we know, placeholders will be dictating what team they want to go play for. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the league? 
I think it's a good thing because they still have the mechanisms in place um, to uh, make certain places a destination. Like I think we were really worried about this in the NBA a couple of years ago. And then the Suns went on a run and the Bucks went on a run and, you know, everything was like, everybody was like, okay, you know, this is going to be fine. And, you know, I was concerned about it for a short time in the NFL until I saw Joe Burrow and the Bengals become a destination. I saw the Buffalo Bills, but, you know, Von Miller going to the Buffalo Bills out of all places. And so, you know, if you could tell me that those two cold weather markets were going to become destinations for some of the best players in free agency, then I think everything's going to be all right. And, you know, so many of these other guys, I think, you know, Tyree Killer, Devontae Adams, you know, they're at the point where they they either needed to, they wanted to make their big money with Tyree Kill because he, he didn't on the last contract or Devontae Adams, you want to be closer to your family at the end of your career, I think they're able to make those decisions like, you know, the rest of us are in our own working lives. And so I think that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I want to get your national perspective on one of the local things going on here in, in Philadelphia, Connor. And that's also the wide receiver position. Now, the Eagles weren't in on the Devontae Adams and Tyree Kills of the world, but they've tried to get better at that particular position. Uh, they tried to trade for Calvin Ridley that didn't work out for obvious reasons so we'll put him aside Robert Woods they wanted and Robert Woods is another one of those for whatever reason the Rams gave him the opportunity and he wanted to go to Tennessee um Allen Robinson understandably wanted to go play with the Super Bowl champions and Matthew Stafford in the high volume passing offense uh, Christian Kirk probably just got overpaid to a ludicrous degree in Jacksonville. But do you think the Eagles at this particular time have trouble recruiting receivers, so to speak, uh, because of the offense they play? It's a good question. I mean, so the, the heart and soul of that is the running game for right now. And I think that, you know, anytime you talk to somebody about what the Eagles plans are moving forward, it's, you know, this is a run first offense and we use that to set everything else up. And I think, Receivers know that to some degree, but a lot of the market this year, I think, has been very circumstantial. Like Robert Woods, for example, you're going to Tennessee and you're running a much more refined version of that outside zone offense that you're running in L.A. And so they need like that offense cannot function without a fast X wide receiver. And so in that situation, you know that you're extraordinarily valuable and you're not going to get cut and you're not going to get traded or to go somewhere you don't want to go. And so I think. Like you mentioned too, Christian Kirk, I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody coming anywhere close to what the Jaguars came to uh, contract wise. I think this was just a very circumstantial um, off season, but I think if the Eagles have success again this year, you know, I, I think they're not going to have a problem because I think that, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, I think is a guy that people want to play with. I think he's a likable guy. I think he's well connected. And, you know, I think, you know, you give it another year. And if the, I think this works out, I, I think we have no problem talking about, you know, maybe lure, them luring a, a destination free agent type guy. Connor, last question. Um, and it can either be your own evaluation or your evaluation of others evaluations when it comes to quarterback in this year's draft. A uh, bunch had their uh, workouts this week. Sam Howell yet to come. But we did get a chance to see Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and uh, Matt Corral. Personally, my evaluation, and uh, I'm sure you talked to a lot of the quote-unquote uh, mock draft guys, draft Knicks and the like, and NFL teams say a true first-round grade. Usually comes to about between 20 and 23 guys. Some years a little less. Some years actually get up close to 32 because they have 32 picks in the draft. 
So if you're a first round pick, you should be the first 32. But most times it's less than that. I do not have any quarterback with a first round grade. How many quarterbacks will be taken in the first round? That's an interesting question. I would say probably two. Um, I would guess Carolina and Pittsburgh are probably aren't going to have a choice. Um, you know, and it's going to be interesting with Carolina, especially. I don't know if the owner allows the head coach who, you know, he kind of came to blows with last year to make that pick. I mean, we'll see what happens there and, and what they're going to do. But um, I think two. And, um, you know, I think Malik Willis is my one, um, has been for a while now. And, um, you know, I think a good comp that I heard at the combine for him was just sort of like, you know, it's going to be Trey Lance light, right? Like it's, you know, you're almost there um, in terms of the mechanics and stuff. You're going to need some time, but in the intermediate time, you know, intermediary, if a team can build a system around you, like we've seen in Baltimore, like we saw, um, maybe, you know, during that good run that Baker Mayfield had in Cleveland and Kevin Stefanski's first year, like if we see something like that, then I think, um, he can start right away in the NFL. I think he's a little bit better than he's getting credit for. I, I assume Pickett is number two. I know we got to go, Jody. Pickett's number two. If somebody comes up at 32 for that fifth year option, who would be your third counter? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think certainly, you know, any of these teams with guys that are aging out, you know, I mean, you have to consider, you know, I know Tampa Bay did a second round pick last year, but they certainly weren't thrilled with their options. You know, I think a lot of these teams that are seeing the players age out at the position, I think probably need to come up and do that. But, um, you know, like you said, that 32 slot is such an attractive piece for a lot of teams, especially when we saw what happened with Lamar Jackson. So I think that there could be a little bit of a bustling market there for sure. And it's something we will keep an eye on. We know the Rams don't have that pick, even though they won the Super Bowl last year, because their stance is F those picks. <laughs> uh, well, they, they won't be making it, but we will see who does. Kind of good stuff. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for jumping aboard. We'll touch base down the road soon enough. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Connor Moore does an outstanding job covering the entire National Football League for Sports Illustrated. All right, Johnny Mac, we got to wrap up a couple of minutes early today, but I need one more prediction from you. Rodney McLeod back today? What what eagle uh you know, guy I saw, who's laid I, out I, his contract that they've got a comfort level with will be announced that you and I oh we got all weekend. It's Friday, that's right. By the time we get Mac Monday, yeah. who's coming back into the fold, McMullen? You know, I saw Rodney at the Maxwell football club. <clears throat> and that was the day the Eagles brought back uh Anthony Harris, and he did not think he was coming back. But I say the same thing with him as as uh, Derek Barnett, the longer it goes, the longer it goes. But I but I think the most likely player to come back would be would be Steve Nelson. Uh, the longer it goes, if the Eagles can get him on that cost effective deal, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be brought back as that safety net. And, and you I try would. to get a corner in the draft as well. You can but you have that safety net. Um much bigger Steven Nelson fan than Derek Barnett fan. I'm just hoping that it's not Aaron Sipas that we're talking about come Monday as the big return for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's already back. He's under contract. He's under Aaron's contract. back. Fair enough. All right, Dad. J Mac, always a pleasure, buddy. I'll talk to you on Monday. I will be here. Good Appreciate luck on CBS. Listen to Jody. Go, go listen to CBS yeah, Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio uh, duties coming up in the next 15 minutes. Got to run. Thanks, everybody, for streaming on in. We'll be back right here on Monday with Young Birds 365. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.